Hello, hello, hello! Hey, hey! Welcome to another exciting podcast, Finger Guns. Consensual, Consensual. Conversations. Oh my god, we have so much good stuff to talk about today. Yeah. I'm so excited. In this episode, we want to talk about, wow, what a wonderful swath of options are available to us these days within the context of relationships yeah. and there are truly so many options yeah so uh like many of you growing up looking at the media and space i was presented with the singular option of relationship i'm gonna find that one person they're gonna be the right person we're gonna get married and it'll and be great and forever and it'll be great forever and the interesting thing about the world, well, it's not necessarily that the world has changed because the relationships models that we're talking about have existed for a very long time for since people have been having relationships, but also perhaps have not been openly spoken about or openly accepted. Yeah, they they come in and out of popularity. And right now, we're in a very interesting relationships renaissance <laughs> um, where a lot of people are saying, you know what? I don't know if the standard relationship, the standard quote unquote monogamy relationship works for me. The lifelong monogamous commitment seems a little intimidating maybe even a little unrealistic for some people. And also that there are shades within the lifelong monogamous relationship that we're also going to dive into. Mm -hmm. There are many colors and shades. Um, so one thing I want to emphasize before we even start is it's key to understand that you might find a relationship model that works really well for you, but that doesn't mean that it's going to work with every partner that you find. That is very true. A I, lot of a lot of these models require some really specific skills, and a lot of those skills revolve around things like self-knowledge, mm -hmm. accountability, communication, and vulnerability. And to be fair, not everybody is ready to do really intense work around that because it's hard, it's not easy, and it's scary. And that's okay. Yeah. Also, uh, Changing a relationship model may not fix your relationship. Oh, God, no. Because, because there is no perfect uh, way of doing anything. And therefore, every relationship model that we talk about comes with its own set of risks, its own set of issues, its own set of things that need to be negotiated, and its own set of things that you need to work on personally in order to even inhabit that space. And its own set of rewards. And its own set of rewards. But risk versus reward. Yeah. You need to decide that for yourself. You need to decide that with your partner slash partners. And it's kind of like, I would put this out there for people, some people think about stepping into like a stable job, like I'm gonna go be God, what are stable jobs now? I'm going to go be an IT. Yeah. I'm going to go sure. be an engineer. Or I'm going to go be an artist. And you go, okay, as an engineer, I know I'm always going to have work. I'm going to have all these things. And that brings me a lot of safety and comfort and, and opportunities for other things in my life. Absolutely. And then some people might look at 
show up every day at the same place for the same amount of time and they think I am going to emotionally wither, I'm going to be miserable, I need variation, I don't mind going some stretches without a stable income because that is not the top of my priority list. And some people go, I want to be an artist, I want to have a wild and crazy life and where I travel and do all of these different things. Um, maybe I'm not as stable. I've got my own issues, but uh, I signed up for that. The, the rule is you are allowed to decide what your priorities are in your work life and in your relationships. You get to choose. I was using a metaphor. <laughs> What's a metaphor? <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was relating our work choices to our relationship choices. Oh, <laughs> wow. I'm just now realizing that you thought I was just talking about work. No, I was using it as a, a metaphor so that people were more open. Well, I wanted to round out the metaphor and bring <laughs> no, it on home. No, so. and you were right. It applied. It applies to both. <laughs> okay, so uh, kick things off. Uh, we're going to talk about monogamy now. We've also addressed that, like, monogamy, even these days, doesn't come standard anymore. Mm. Monogamy has also existed throughout history in a variety of different ways. And when I say history, I, I, I highly recommend looking up. I don't even know how you Google this. I've just picked up different things from different books of, like, ways people have had relationship models that have changed. Actually, a book I would recommend about that just to start exploring like anthropological differences mm -hmm. in relationship styles is a book called Sex at Dawn. Yes, yes, yes. Sex at Dawn. Um, one of one of my favorite segments when people talk about, you know, that homosexuality was a new thing or it's weird if like men are really close with each other. What's interesting is during Roman times. It was actually weird if you were interested in your wife and 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 it was more common that Dude, you, you want to fuck your wife. That's so gay. Yes. Yes. That's what it was like, because your wife was often there as sort of like a, a merger or a, of your houses mm -hmm. or a business partner of whatever. A transaction. And and if you were especially if you were a soldier the people that you had the most sex with and that you emotionally loved the most and were your fellow were your fellow soldiers absolutely and so you always had your mister on the side that was your real love and then you had to have sex with your wife because you had that's to, how you get kids yeah they, you had kids and that's how you perpetuate the bloodline yeah mm, yes and that was the norm for a big chunk of of history that's the thing when, when we talk about if we mention the word normal or yeah. common that's only in our limited view of history because our very recent yeah view of history very recent view of history because just like trends in clothes just like trends in ideal body types all of that changes yeah. over the course of hundreds and thousands of years so have human relationships yeah things come in things go out but we're talking about monogamy. So what is monogamy? Well, well, monogamy is what I would call the dominant culture. It is what you see in most movies, what you hear about in most songs, TV shows, commercials, what I'm sure most people saw to some degree modeled for them in their home. 
even if perhaps it wasn't always exact exactly monogamy. Was it's, yeah. it's that's like the aspirational norm, right? Sexual exclusivity. Yes. That is the thing that you are ultimately vying for. I have my one person. I only engage sexually and often emotionally with mm. this one person, and that's it forever. And usually if I fulfill any of those needs anywhere else, it's a violation. Yes. So these days people talk about emotional cheating. Mm. And and I'm not going to say that that doesn't happen. I think the way that we're going to break a lot of different things down is it comes down to intention. Yes. So emotional cheating. Am I emotionally cheating because I have a very strong emotional bond with a person of the sex I'm attracted to. I don't think that that necessarily classifies emotional cheating. I think, but this is just me. Lots of people have different definitions. What I, when I think emotional cheating comes into play is when I may not be having sex with this person, that's not my spouse or my partner, but I am prioritizing their needs mm. over the needs of the partner that I have agreed to commit to. I think there's something very key in that. Yeah, that's the, the prioritizing is a really big deal. So it's not saying that you can't have other outside emotional connections in which you're no. vulnerable and open with that person, but if you are only vulnerable and open with that new person and not with your current partner, I think you can elevate that to emotional cheating space. Absolutely. But that's one of the things that I personally really dislike about culture around monogamy is that, oh, monogamy means that you are not allowed to emotionally mm. connect with a person of the gender you are attracted to, which in and of itself for us bi folks, we're like, oh, so we can't have friends at all. Right. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah. Um, but I think generally it's a good thing to have vulnerable and somewhat intimate friendships with other people outside of your partner. And I think that those relationships are really important, especially like, this is all saying that you're not leaving your partner behind, which is the which is the primary not not thing. neglecting not the neglecting needs of your the partner. needs of your partner because you you we all need those deep emotional connections and we need those outside of our partnerships because one our partner can't be everything, which nope. is sort of like a main thing that comes into conflict with the the monogamy structure, depending on how people do the monogamy structure. Yes. Um you may need a person that's a soundboard if, if you're not in therapy to like talk to about things that you're going through with your partner. And there are ways to do that without violating privacy. There are ways to do that without like hurting the bond that you and your partner have. But, you know, sometimes feeling distant from your partner is a real thing and there's mm -hmm. something you have to work through and perhaps they're not in a place to engage with you about it. So and what do you do? Your relationships, for any of those of you that are out there that have been in long-term relationships, mm. relationships happen in cycles. No matter how good they are, no matter how good of a communicator you are, your relationship will have peaks that you're feeling really close, really intimate with your partner, and, and, and valleys Deep where valleys. you are not. And the only thing that makes 
that real trouble is if you hit a valley and you go, oh my God, we don't feel as connected as we always did. There must be something wrong in our relationship. And then you start tearing apart your relationship to examine all the things that could be wrong. And it's like, oh, we could just be at a valley. Or you're unwilling to do that examination and mm. you say, this relationship is over. Yeah, yeah. That is also an option that a lot of people take. Okay, so monogamy. We've talked about extreme monogamy, which is just like, you can't have friends of, of the sex that you're attracted to. A lot of people's version of monogamy is you can't watch porn. You can't watch porn. Um, can't go to a strip club. It, it basically goes from we're sexually exclusive, which means every ounce of sexual energy that you have as a human being is directed towards me or not at all. Exactly. There are some extreme versions of monogamy that are like, if you're masturbating, that's a betrayal. Even if you're masturbating about me, your partner, still, still I'm not there. I'm not there. How you don't you don't need to do that. I'm here. I I, I satisfy all of your needs. I'm, of I'm pretty confident in calling that unhealthy. I I don't think that monogamy in and of itself is unhealthy, it's but unhealthy, I think yeah. that specifically is a very unhealthy dynamic. No matter what, I think you should have the freedom to explore yourself by yourself. No matter what. No matter what. So <laughs> take that to the bank and cash it. Um, all right. So now monogamy. Monogamy. Teetering into the non-monogamy space. Mm -hmm. Some people might go, okay, we are exclusive and I accept the very real reality that my partner is attracted to other people. And that other people will be attracted to my partner. That's a big deal. That's a hard step for some people, yeah. even though it is very real. There's there's some people that are in the the more traditional space that like will kind of joke about it and say, "Oh, you know, who's who's your celebrity exception? That if this celebrity came in town, you know, where's your laminated index card? Yeah, of the five celebrities I have to give you a hall pass for. Right. That they'll 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 joke about it, but that at least is an acknowledgement that like your partner finds other people attracted to. However, yeah, it's a good jumping uh, off point. My 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 wife's person is Chris Evans. Chris Evans. And listen, he's a dashingly handsome man. I mean, he's no Hugh Jackman, and, but and I understand for for sure. But the thing is, is like, couldn't uh, in my space. I couldn't be happier for her. <laughs> if you get the opportunity, yeah, please. Please. I'd do it too. I don't know if it would work out between me and him. I would totally do it. Yeah. Uh, but but the thing is, there was a lot of people that are kind of teetering in that space. It's weird that they jump to celebrity as if like that's not going to make them more insecure about everything. Right. Like, could, could you imagine if my boyfriend comes back and he goes, oh, man, I... It was the craziest that I just banged Jennifer Lawrence. I'd be like, okay, I'm happy for you, but also a lot of feelings to process. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Oh, only like the most well-known and famous and like attractive people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the whole path. So. And in LA, sometimes that is an actual option. Right. So in the monogamy space, people will often go, okay, well, I'd feel more comfortable. This little dance that they do. I feel more comfortable if, like, we did something together. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that we can both be there and I can still join in on this experience. Yeah. I'm still a part of it. I'm not being ignored, excluded. Yeah. 
So navigating the three way. Uh, I read this great book. It's called The Threesome Handbook. And it is not a book that is for people like, this is how you make threesomes happen. It's actually a book about how you manage and process the emotional experience that right. comes along with making a three-way happen. Not, not about how to coerce someone into having a threesome with you and your partner or how to coerce your partner into having a threesome that they don't want because neither of those scenarios are cool. Yeah. And they'll both turn out pretty badly. But if everybody is on board, a lot of times, for those of us who have fantasies and watch porn, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever tried to make any of your fantasies come true, but sometimes things feel differently in real life oh than they God. do watching them or fantasizing about them in your head. And very yes. often threesomes can be one of those really big explosive things that feel differently in the moment. Yes, absolutely. Uh, biggest warning that I could put out there for anybody stepping into the sort of like group play experience with their partner. Biggest mistake that people make is they approach the situation like checking boxes. Huge, huge, huge issue. Because here's what happens. Someone goes, oh my God, I think a threesome's going to happen right now. I've always imagined all of these things, which means we need to do this and this. We need to check off this position. Yeah. We need to blah, blah, blah. You need to rotate 45 <laughs> degrees and yeah. turn your face. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The checking off boxes person um, is not ever going to be present to the very fast moving extreme dynamics that change when you're in a group situation with people. So we've talked before about staying in the moment and staying present with Check one partner. Check in, in. Check before in before check you check out. out. They check out. They check out. Yeah. Now imagine having to have that awareness for two different people with two totally different sets of feelings and thoughts and boundaries. Mm -hmm. It's more work. It can be more fun, but it is also more work it's a lot because of work. a little uh, PSA to couples who would like to invite a third into their bedroom as a past third who has been in that dynamic with a couple. Um, we're people, too. We we are not there to be a human fleshlight. We are not there to be a human performer. Mm. We are not there to be fetishized. If that's something you would like, there are options for that, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, but. Nothing feels worse than being invited into a dynamic and then realizing that your needs are at the bottom of the list, mm. that you're just there to help these two live out a fantasy. Yeah. It's not uh, cool. Other other really great piece of advice that I'll give everybody that I got from the book, and I absolutely fell in love with this. Um, you treat uh, stepping into a group situation the same way that you would do dating. Because you know what's better than having one threesomes? What? Having a lot of them. I can vouch for that. Right. <laughs> right. So here's the here's the big thing. When I say that you treat it like dating, it means that you do it in steps, kind of like the small steps we were talking about, which is like, hey, let's set the bar here. That's like, well, I'll just go out and grab drinks, see how we vibe with each other. That is the only thing on the, the table that night. That's it. Just grabbing drinks, grabbing coffee in the middle what of the What are the vibes? Want. What are the vibes? Next date, you go, okay, maybe this time, I don't know, maybe some kissing happenings, maybe some touching happenings. Let's see. Let's just, like, see where we're at. But, like, we're not even jumping into the sex space. We're just, and like, also, we're let, just courting. And also, let's see if we can open up a conversation about this and start to understand 
What do you like? What do we like? What's on the table? What's off the table? Unless we say something else in the moment. Yeah. Those negotiations and that communication can start to happen because the last place you want to have those conversations are like in the heat of the moment. That <laughs> yes. is the toughest scenario in which to all of a sudden negotiate boundaries. Yeah. And then after this group has gotten to know each other, has played a little bit and says, oh, this is good. I feel comfortable with you. I feel good that I can call a, a veto and stop something mm. or that we can pause things and pick things back up. You've worked this dynamic. Then you can go, hey, I've always wondered about trying this thing now that there's two other people in this space. What do you what think? Do you, what do you think? All right. And then who knows? Maybe it can evolve into a thing that happens on a regular basis. So that's a sort of like a, a, a next step outside of monogamy. You're still doing it together, but it's something that is sort of like adding that new relationship energy back into your collective space. Yes. And a lot of that new relationship energy can come from after a while, you don't see your partner as you did the first time you met. In my experience, one of the lovely benefits of a threesome or of group play is all of a sudden you get to see other people react to your partner mm. and you start to see them through the eyes of somebody that like just met them and they're this exciting new being and that's ready to explore. It kind of kind of resets the clock a little bit in that way. The resetting of the clock, I think, and this is part of the why there are different relationship models it happens all around the dynamic. So even just intimately flirting and engaging with somebody mm. makes you reset your own clock. Yes. Having having a simple touch, just, just any kind of like caress that starts to happen with this new person makes you go, oh, this is, this is so different than my partner's body. And then you start to go back and you go, oh yeah, I used to when we started dating this is how sex initiated between us not the we know the steps that yeah we got to get this we could do this we could do this like this half point. asleep at this point you you re-wake up and that's part of the reason why couples will expand a little bit outside the monogamy space and i will also say that in between acknowledging that maybe there's a desire to step outside the monogamous space and actually doing it in between there are things like pillow talk like oh dirty, just talking about it dirty talk like what mm -hmm. would you find hot about this tell me what you want to see what you want to do there's a super fun game i like to call stranger danger where uh you can use an alternate messaging app you can use like signal or google voice and get a new number and you can agree with your partner to like meet up in a public place and pretend like you don't know each other mm -hmm. there are steps that you can take along the way to sort of hit reset on that clock and get a bit of that energy and then afterwards oh well thank god we did that where we're both still in a safe space with yeah. each other now how do you feel about it and we talked about on the first podcast about having like challenges of being like all right like we're going to start from the beginning mm -hmm. in our relationship yep um there's also something else i would like to say really quickly about mm -hmm. threesomes i find a lot of times in often the straight heteronormative couple world that there is a lot more openness to inviting a femme person into the bedroom than there is a mask person into mm. the bedroom. Uh, in our, in our, in in the circles I run in, we call that a, a one penis policy. <laughs> 
only one penis allowed in the room at mm -hmm. a time. Mm -hmm. um, even though penis doesn't necessarily relate to femme or mask, yep. but just for the sake of brevity here. Yeah. Um, and I would really strongly encourage y'all to perhaps be a little bit more accepting of any gender that you or your partner are attracted to, or at least like wouldn't mind seeing. I think a lot of women tend to just say yes to inviting a woman in there, mm. even though they may not necessarily be attracted to women, or maybe they're kind of curious, but very hesitant. But there's a very solid, like, absolutely not, no other men are allowed in here, that's crazy. Um, and uh, just as a by the by, maybe work on or examine why that reaction is so strong. Mm. And I'll just say that sometimes as a femme person having to mask people in the room with you uh guess where all the attention goes and that's all i'll say about that yeah well not always not always not but, always but often riffing off of that stepping into the next space mm. so there's the threesome this is the old school way of opening things up which is swinging Swinging is still sort of within the monogamy realm, but Things now are only happening when we're both present. When we're both present, but now we're talking about couples hanging out with couples mm -hmm. and them going either two couples or more than two couples, right? In a right. more in a bigger group setting. Yeah, a lot of pluses and minus to this. Uh, I will say especially from any of my friends that have been in this space or just various conversations or experiences that I've had. Uh, these dynamics can be tough because finding the perfect group of everyone that's equally attracted to everybody else is a very rare thing. A lot of times what can happen is I'm into that person of that couple well, I'm not into that person. Mm -hmm. And when it's just four people together in a room and there's somebody you don't want to engage with, that is a really, really tricky thing to navigate. Yeah. And I am not at all an advocate for put yourself in a, in a sexual situation you don't want to be. Well, so the swinging space. What kind of people are stepping into the swinging space? A lot of the times it's, it's people that are just interested in checking off the box that yes. are not actually like oh i want to do this to sort of like add to this experience of of my own partnership it's like i want to have a group thing i want i want to swap wives i want to swap wives and 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 if that's enough for any of those people in that space knock your socks off and also as the wife in that scenario or if your partner really gets off on the idea of like swapping you out watching somebody with you and that's something that turns you on as well then that's fine if y'all want to join in together on that but i do find that sometimes swinging dynamics can be a teensy bit impersonal sometimes even a little dehumanizing which mm. isn't always all isn't always a bad thing but it can go that way yeah so we've seen in the in the media and back in the 70s, the key party. Ah, the key party. The randomized with, with swinging. With the upside down pineapple outside. Why is the pineapple upside down? I don't well, know about ups this. Upside down pineapple is just like an, an old fashioned signal for like swingers parties. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? It's Couldn't, just some someone it, just did it, it one day? It just was. Great. 
just was. You know, when you're talking about, okay, I'm stepping into a space where there's the randomization of, of who I'm going to uh, be with, um, that can be really stressful. It's yeah. something that you definitely have to be in the mood for. I don't know. If anyone that's like God, <laughs> I it's not something that like I found myself ever drawn to of just being like, Man, I've been a part of like play festivals and I've gotten a bad show and I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'll do my best. <laughs> I'm not going to not, you know, be a team player here, but sure, it's not going to be something it, I'm going to invite. It can be rough to. going. Generally speaking, what, what I will say for couples specifically that want to start engaging in group play, whether it's threesomes or a sex party or swinging, whatever it is. Um, I highly suggest that you work out your boundaries beforehand. Like, what what am I okay to do and what am I not okay to do? I also suggest that you create some kind of a check-in system. A lot of times with couples, you can just like make eye contact and they'll know from a look in your eye whether or not what's happening is okay or not. Yeah. But also there should be some sort of either verbal or nonverbal signal of like, hey, can you help me out? I need a break here. Or, mm -hmm. hey, like this is overwhelming. We need to both step away and regroup, reconnect. If you have those things in place, then those dynamics, I feel, are a lot easier to navigate and it will save you a ton of emotional fallout and perhaps even feelings of betrayal afterwards. Yeah. Okay. We're sp expanding that monogamous relationship out into communities, mm. clubs, parties. These dynamics, especially if you're sort of like stepping into that space, there's lots of communities depending on where you live. There's definitely a lot in Los Angeles or in like major cities. There are always underground ones and like small towns, uh, which are probably not as easy to find as the ones in the cities. But they are everywhere. But they are everywhere. They are. And and what these community spaces offer, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of best practices, sort of like stepping into the community space. But one of the big things is like. When you step into the space, sort of just like with a relationship, you kind of have to prove that you are a trustworthy duo entering this space. Yes. Um, that that you, you can navigate social cues. Yes. That you know how to step into a space conscious of respect and consent, that you are not just going to dominate a space with your energy. I feel like those are a lot of faux pas and especially that you're not going to walk into this space with this tidy little list of expectations. Check in boxes. Right. It's and got to stop. And if you don't have those expectations met, then you've been slighted somehow. Yeah. That's not how it goes. So uh, fun advantage about stepping into these spaces. If you are in a, in a monogamous couple and you're looking to kind of open yourselves is that you can go to these spaces and not dive in. No. You can you can just sort of be in this space and you're like, ooh, there's a lot of sexy energy in this space. There's a lot of, oh, my God, I think those people are making out. And then, oh, I think those people are doing something other than making out. And then you can go and be a voyeur. Yeah. And that might just be enough. Oh, my God. If you were in this relationship for a long time, you've got kids, you're managing, and you, and you and your partner go out in the town, and you just happen to step into a space where there's a lot of sexual energy going on, that might be the, the, the juice that you need to go home, have fucking awesome sex again, and, and call it a day. 
And sometimes walking into that space, just looking at how other people might be looking at you or mm -hmm. looking at your partner, even if you choose not to engage, but just like seeing sometimes that other people are attracted to you, that mm. other people are attracted to your partner, it can renew your own sense of confidence. <sighs> and it can also give you a little bit of, yeah, the person on my arm is hot. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a little perspective shift. Yeah. Now, in these spaces, again, uh, you know, maybe you make eyes with somebody across the room and the vibe is there and you go, okay, let's try this out. And your partner is right there. The two of you can kind of navigate things as you go because you've had the conversation ahead of time. Beforehand of what is okay and what's not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, these are all – this is sort of like a tiered scale of like, yeah, we're monogamous. We're monogamous. And, and we are faithful to each other and we do all of these things that we talked about together. It's always together. It's always together. We are here as a unit. We are here as a couple. We are here to experience these things with each other. And a lot of times the goal of that is we are here to grow together as a couple. Yes. But also there are ways to grow together as a couple and develop your intimacy while doing sexual activities where your partner is not in the room. That and is also possible. And that brings us to the next tier, which is... Non-monogamy. Non-monogamy. Non-monogamy is sort of an umbrella term. Ethical non-monogamy. Ah, I actually call it consensual non-monogamy these days. Consensual non-monogamy. Just because... No, I, I, I dig it. Ethical implies a judgment. Yeah. Where yeah. Con consensual, consensual is... We've talked about it. We've both agreed to this. I like to use consensual non-monogamy, even though the more popular term is ethical non-monogamy or ENM, as it's usually abbreviated. We abbreviate everything. <laughs> Everything's abbreviated. Oh, yeah. Okay, so. CBT in different circles means very different things. Yeah, yeah. Consensual non-monogamy. Consensual non-monogamy. That is an umbrella term, kind of in the way that these days queer is a bit of an umbrella term, mm -hmm. meaning anybody not straight. And within that, there are several different definitions. Non-monogamy is the same way. Under the umbrella of non-monogamy, which basically means not monogamy. <laughs> yeah. And anything that's like, well, we are not sexually beholden only to one person. It means not strict monogamy. Because, yes. because the first rung on that tier is a term called monogamish, mm -hmm. which, which is uh, consensual monogamy with the occasional exception. So what we were talking about before about doing things together, monogamish is about creating momentary exceptions. So it's like not things that happen every now and then. So like somebody might say for for people that are attracted to multiple genders and makeups that you go okay i'm with you but i don't know if i'm ready to have the rest of my life never having had this experience with either the same sex or, mm. or whatever whatever gender you're not or or whatever binary or non-binary or whatever makeup you're not i don't want to be missing the other flavor in my life forever and so there may be exceptions for that of being like okay you're allowed to have outside solo experiences with whatever 
flavor of ice cream that I am not. With only this specific or these specific genders. Yes. And that's it. You cannot engage with someone of the same gender as me because I'm already providing this. Right, right. That's one. That's one. one That's one model. Um, Um, Another that I think a lot of older generations kind of adhere to. I've certainly heard members of my family of the older generations mm. talk about this. Um, If you're out of town. I was going to say that. If you're out of town. And often that comes along with what we call a don't ask, don't tell policy. Yes. Do what you want. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. Um, Don't bring it home. So, so I think that's important to address the, the don't ask, don't tell thing because there, there are sort of like two dynamic approaches in this, in this situation. Either hearing about your partner and their experiences outside of your relationship is fueling for you mm. or it causes you a tremendous amount of stress, but you still want them to have it. Or sometimes it could even be both. Or sometimes it could be both. Where you have a very confused moment of arousal. Which we'll get into (laughs) down the tears. That one's coming up. Um, And so the don't ask, don't tell policy is sort of like, hey, I want you to have this thing. I don't really want to know about it. I want to kind of like, like in all, you know, intents intents and purposes, uh, imagine that we are monogamous. And this thing never happened, but you are you are getting the, those needs met. And 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 when I say like just getting those needs met, it's not a flippant like oh you need to get off. Especially when you're in long term relationships, you reach a point where you go. And I've had this conversation with my wife, of like, hey, there's a lot of things I can provide you. You know what I can't provide you? Looking at you like you are the a new person. That I've never experienced before. I just can't. That's like a one big thing. And that thing is a big deal. It is a really big deal. That somebody is attracted to you just because you're there. And and also, like, that energy of somebody seeing you as if for the first time or seeing you as if you're a present on Christmas morning that they're mm-hmm. unwrapping. I, I do think there's there's a very small percentage of the population that can carry that energy consistently in a long distance relationship. I don't think it's realistic for most people. I, I think the, I think the, it's like insane the, for the people that can do, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, do, I, yeah. I do too. Yeah. I yeah. absolutely do too. But, but that is like, there, there is something about that falls into this category of NRE or new relationship energy yeah. where you're just like, Ooh, I'm a little obsessed with you in this moment and you're just like you're not even a human and you're like this goddess or you're the sex god or you're whatever and like my eyes everything in me is just hungry for you because I don't have a lot of familiarity and that's it so what you are saying in this scenario is in the don't ask don't tell I want you to have all all of what Rachel just went through sounds great doesn't they it? want you to have all that thing but I don't want to know about it for my own insecurity reasons. And when you bring that energy back into our relationship, that's why I'm doing this. You getting to reset that reset button is a great thing for us both. I'd love to give a little metaphor that I've used to try and explain one of the appeals of non-monogamy to other people. Let's say that you have prime rib at home. And you eat prime rib every single night. And you love prime rib. It's amazing. It's the best food you've ever put in your mouth but you know what sometimes 
you have a craving for McDonald's. Sometimes you have a craving for chicken. Sometimes you crave something other than your absolute favorite thing. It doesn't mean that your favorite thing is no longer your favorite thing. It just means that sometimes when you have a chicken sandwich, the next time you have prime rib, it tastes even better. Yes. Let's definitely put this out there for everybody. Stepping outside uh, and having encounters outside of your primary relationship doesn't mean they're going to be good. <laughs> a oh, lot, a lot of times, they're a not. Lot, a lot of times, you just stepping out and and even just being like going on a date with somebody or like kissing a new person can make you go, Jesus, like thank God I've got God a meal waiting got for me at this home. Amazing partner oh at home. Um, and that's one of the really nice ways that I think non-monogamy can foster gratitude because either way, if the date goes really well, you're like, wow, my partner w was cool with me having this amazing experience. I'm so grateful to them or oh, that was a nightmare. I'm so grateful that I have my partner at home. It's like two ways to get to the same conclusion, which is enhanced feelings of affection and gratitude for the partnership that you have. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing in the monogamish space is just sort of like special occasions. Uh, they can be a, a myriad of things of being like, ah, this going to a high school reunion. Or happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. Or happy 40th birthday. Or happy 40th birthday. <laughs> or my crush from blah, blah, blah is in town. And my part, My partner and I once had simultaneous experiences like that he yeah. he was home visiting his family and he had been like you know he he stayed in touch with a lot of people from high school and he and a crush of his from high school started chatting again and it turns out that like oh she had kind of thought he was attractive back in the day mm -hmm. he was all like he was too nervous to do anything and it turns out that they were both kind of open to this happening meanwhile i had a dear friend from high school that we've hooked up with on and off throughout the years and we had just gotten back in touch so simultaneously on opposite coasts my partner was hooking up with one of his high school crushes and i was hooking up with one of my high school crushes special occasions special occasions uh the next tier okay so we talked about monogamish which is just like we're monogamous we've got these little mini exceptions yeah. that that happen Infrequently. Special circumstances that we have both agreed to. Yeah. yeah. Is the real key here. We're not talking about cheating or infidelity. Yes. Because in non-monogamous circles. still cheating. You can still cheat. Guess what? Whatever the boundaries of your relationship are, if you ve veer outside of them, that is still infidelity. That is still cheating. But sleeping with other people isn't always cheating if you work it out with your partner and you both agree to it i think yeah. you're, you're in the clear yeah it's consensual it's consensual um so the next tier uh, in the non-monogamy space is an open relationship mm. this one is something that is very much blossoming in the united states right now uh people are defining it in a variety of different ways um an open relationship is basically uh, it's kind of like that sign that's on a door, which is like we 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 flip the sign over and we're open for s swaths of time unless we feel like flipping the sign back over and we're closed. Mm -hmm. But as long as the sign is open, things can happen within the space. We're open, any, we're open any given to time. connecting we're with open other to connecting people. With other people. And 
a lot of people in the open space, you know, it's a good idea to figure out what sort of dynamic you are looking for. Yeah. Are you looking for just a fuck buddy slash friend with benefits? Are you looking for an actual friend with benefits? Do you want to form some kind of friendship-based emotional yes. connection that still has sex as part of it? Are you looking to date someone else, but like date casually? There's a lot of different things that people are looking for in this space. And it's helpful to decide what you're looking for to find somebody else that's looking for the same thing. Yeah. Um, the boundaries is a very key part of this mm. because a there's there's obviously a tremendous amount of negotiation open does not mean free for all no no just like monogamy there are a set of agreed upon boundaries and yeah. the thing that i personally really love about open relationships is that no matter what you cannot assume any boundaries those conversations with your partner have to happen so you know what is okay and what's not okay. Yeah. Um, I think a very common boundary in open relationships is you can have sex with other people, but with barriers in place. So we can manage the risk of STIs and birth control. Yep. It's not okay for you to not use barriers with other people. That's a super common and common sense one. There can also be, like again, everything is in tears and everything is customized by the person that you're with. Uh, you can have an open relationship that's just like, we can make out with other people, but we don't do anything else. Yeah, we can go flirt with people at the bar and make out, but then you come home. But then you can home, yeah. Or yeah. you can go home with other people, but no sleepovers. You have right. to come home to go to sleep. Yeah. Another really big part of the boundary setting is vetoes. Mm. So those are also sort of like just setting hard boundaries that are not negotiable. So uh, in one of my past open relationships, uh, we had a bunch of different dynamics. It was great. We, She was someone that wanted to know what was going on in my space because it was mm -hmm. something that was really exciting to her and arousing to her. Um, and then there was a person that was in a, a very, very close friend of mine uh, that we had, we were like practically best friends. We were talking all the time and we were out dancing one night and it was a very intimate dancing that was going on mm. and my partner at the time was like hey i'm starting to feel uncomfortable about this dynamic that you have with this person that's gonna be a veto on this person so what happened i stopped it hell yeah and that and that was a big thing was it it went from like because in her space it wasn't just uh uh me having a physical connection with somebody or sort of building that relationship. It was another person that was like a huge part of my life that like, if there were I a lot were, of emotional ties, there, there were a lot of emotional ties. And were I to step over that space into making it an intimate relationship as well, that would have been a really, really, really big weight on our relationship insecurities for her. And I was like, great. And here's the, the we talked about this honoring people's boundaries is mm -hmm. very helpful. I said, absolutely stopped all the sort of flirtation maintain my friendship with this person um and then that was it and and what that did was like hey the moment you say veto or no the hammer comes down it stops and, and that means that you know that like moving forward you always have that button wherever you're at and i will say one of the things that makes a veto a viable option and a viable solution it's kind of the same effect where 
When somebody curses all the time, using a curse word doesn't have a lot of impact. Mm. But if somebody doesn't curse a lot and all of a sudden they drop a fuck, you're like, oh man, I really need to pay attention to this. I find if, if you and your partner can trust each other to only use veto when you really, really need it. Mm. So some occasions that I've used veto, um, my partner was hooking up with this woman and she violated a boundary I didn't even know I had. I was, Which can happen. I, I was outside the apartment and she cooked him a meal in our kitchen and then like didn't do the dishes. <laughs> And the <laughs> dishes, which we've talked about on every episode. But when I came home, I I felt like that was a huge boundary violation that I didn't even know to talk about because it didn't even occur to me that it would come up. Yeah. But from then on, she, I was like, well, veto on that activity forever. And also there were maybe one or two nights after that where he had plans with her and I just wasn't feeling emotionally secure enough to be mm. okay with that happening. So I said, you know what? I need more of your attention and presence tonight. I'm not feeling great. I need to veto this. But I try to be very specific and conscious about how I use that veto. If every time you feel the slightest bit of discomfort, you use veto, I feel like that's going to lead to a lot of frustration so yeah. the way you build trust in the veto is by really carefully picking and choosing when you need it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, another key element in the sort of like open definition space is that uh, open relationships are not uh, creating space for outside full relationships. Meaning like you're not typically no, you're not you're not adding in another partner right now. And this is something that like people have to kind of negotiate. Sometimes, depending on who you are, you may only be interested in intimately engaging with someone that you really know and that you have like a strong connection with before you even And do a lot that. of trust and comfort with, which is very valid. Right. And so in addition to that, they may only feel comfortable seeing the same person over and over, over, and over again, again. Over and over again. It's true. And so it is then up to you and your partner to be like, okay. Where are our boundaries here? When does this become a thing that like you actually have a full relationship outside of our relationship? Because that is part of the thing. We're not in a poly relationship, which we'll get into next. We're in an open relationship. Where do we start drawing the lines and like applying the veto or we need to move on or we need to change this dynamic or whatever? And sometimes those lines can be blurry. Sometimes those lines can change because here's one of the main keys to any kind of non-monogamous dynamic your discomfort no longer becomes automatically a reason for your partner to change their behavior. Sometimes jealousy happens, oftentimes jealousy happens, but you feeling jealousy doesn't necessarily mean that they need to change something. A lot of times jealousy just means that you need to sit down and really pick apart where the jealousy is coming from, mm. talk yourself through it, and very often ask for a little bit of reassurance from your partner. Say, hey, I'm feeling a little insecure today. I want you to have this date and have a good time, but can you give me some words of affirmation. Can we spend a little quality time together before you go? Can I get a little bit of buffer because I need a little extra yeah. help today? And what a beautiful opportunity for your partner to rise and meet you in that need. Yeah. So, I mean, I know most people ask this about like open relationships. They're like, well, how do you handle the jealousy aspect of things? Uh, 
it definitely comes in and out depending you, on the person you practice you, you but 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 what rachel's talking about is it's it's an opportunity for the two of you to connect and go okay what's going on in your space great well i'll tell you this situation that I'm in means this to me. I'm getting mm. this and this out of it. I don't feel this and this about it. Mm -hmm. You start becoming clear about the things that are going on in the dynamic of the relationship. Um, and then there's also, and this is a really big thing, when when you two may be great with your boundaries, uh, that doesn't mean that other people are going to be. That's true. And that's and that's something that I've established and in past relationships that have been open is 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 one of my boundaries is if this person starts trying to be invasive into our relationship or talk shit about our relationship, oh. there's a lot of thing, and this definitely comes from a, a masculine space where they start to go, Well, if you're here with me, obviously something's going wrong. There's like a lot of sort of like possession and things that go on. Oh yeah. And and our thing in my previous dynamics was the moment that happens, it stops. No. It's it's one, a, one, one of the vetoes is if you are not respectful of the boundaries in my relationship, or even worse, if you're totally uninterested in learning about the boundaries of my what's called what I call a primary partnership. I have yeah. my primary partner. You're um, not here that, to take over. No, that is a massive red flag to me. That yeah. is something that is unacceptable. The job is not open. No. <laughs> no. We're not seeking outside applications. And I think that that is a really big dynamic that happens sort of like people that are dating people in the open space are also going through their own situation of like, oh, my God, I'm I may be developing these very strong emotions. And also this is not leading to a relationship. Yeah. Or or at least not a primary romantic relationship. Right. And very often, you know, sometimes it'll happen that one person develops feelings for the other. And I also want to acknowledge that sometimes if you are a secondary to someone who's in a primary partnership, that comes with its own set of like emotional peaks and valleys to deal with as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely not for everybody. I find in my dynamics and in my partner's dynamics, we do best with other people that are already in primary dynamics themselves. So there are similar matching wants, needs, and expectations. Yeah. But it doesn't always happen that way. And that needs to be approached with a little more delicacy. Yeah. Everybody involved in these situations are people. Yeah, I think, With I think that people and then that comes back to like the whole checking the box thing. I've had uh, friends that have had their relationships ruined because their partner is fucking always on the hunt. They make a new friend. Do you think they'd be interested? They like meet a per the, the, the barista gets their name right on their coffee. Do you think Ooh. they'd be interested? It's a there are some people that could be so nonstop about it. And that's that's not what open relationships. I mean, and, they can be if that's like what your dynamic no, sometimes, is. But. but also like that's the exact kind of vibe that I am always so deeply afraid. I was like, no, to my partner, no matter what we do, we cannot put out that vibe that we're looking to fuck everything walking. <laughs> it's not OK. It makes people uncomfortable. We cannot be those, those people. people. We can't. We can't. It's yeah. gross. And what I'm getting at with like checking the boxes is that you are focused on the the act that is going to happen and not the person that you're with. It's very goal-oriented rather than experience-oriented. 
Yeah. It's it's about stepping into a space and being like, that's a person. They are attractive enough for me to do the deed. I would love to have walked out of tonight saying I I did the deed with this person. And that and that is like as far as they've gotten. It's not like I don't know anything about this person. I'm not interested in this person. Uh, they don't know anything about me. They are a they are a thing that I said to my friends. Hey, X Y Z happened the other night. High five. And that's about like the equivalent of the exchange that went down. Oh, those uh, high fives are problematic, but also they are. But also sometimes my partner and I high five each other a little bit. Well, not as all a joke. Not all high fives are problematic. No. Uh, some celebrating is good, but. But I will say I most often encountered that energy in the next tier, yeah, which is polyamorous relationships. Okay, so do you want to define poly? Sure. Polyamorous relationships are people that are non-monogamous with the intention of finding and developing emotional, romantic relationships as well as sexual with other people. So somebody that wants to have a girlfriend and a boyfriend or two partners, or it can even expand to three partners. There are a lot of different formations in polyamory, and sometimes those formations can be open, meaning that I have three very important people in my life and we are all open to meeting more, or I have three very important people in my life and we are closed to each other. There's two different forms, excuse me, two different forms of polyamory within polyamory. Yeah, there's a lot of tiers of everything. Yeah. Um, You know, there are dynamics like uh, triads, which is sort of in polyamory, if you have uh, your primary partner and then another partner, a secondary partner, um, in triads, that means both of you are dating the secondary partner and yeah and they are dating both like everybody's dating dating everyone's dating each other and then there are sometimes v's where one person is dating two people but those two people are not dating each other it's an open-ended v instead of this triad triangle or just a sort of a a march madness bracket we're gonna get into some geometry here depending on how on how things go um so what does this what is what is being poly entail a lot of shared google calendars yeah if you don't have your organizational skills on point polyamory is probably not for you so uh, i mean we're getting into the kind of like the pros and cons obviously in in a poly space uh you know you really have to sort of like process any feelings of attachment that you have um that's of, a big one. Of ownership, of ownership over your partners. Yeah. There's also, you know, I think if you're going to step into this poly space, you really have to be, in a lot of ways, very self-sufficient. So there's a lot of codependent people that will step into the poly space. And that's where <laughs> and that's where a lot of a lot of issues come up with. So like for you stepping into a poly space, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, it's really great that I've got this partner, but I also really love this person. And I really want to have the dynamics of everything in our relationship. I don't want any boundaries. That's like a thing that happens in the poly space. Whether and it's and in that's the, like and that's like the most dangerous thing to whether say. Whether it's in the poly space, the dating space, or the yeah. kink space. If somebody said, I don't want us to bound. have boundaries, red flag Run. every single time. Yeah. Every single yeah. time. People who are experienced with kink and people who are experienced with polyamory 
relish boundaries. Mm -hmm. Boundaries, as we've talked about before, boundaries are what allow us to be relaxed and vulnerable and free. Yeah. I will say this. If you are questioning your relationship skills with one person, throwing another person into that dynamic is not going to improve things. (laughs) The skills that you need to have already set with one partner need to be so solidly in place before you try to extend them to two people at the same time. Me personally, while I am open to the idea of polyamory, I also understand that when it comes to calls, texts, frequent communication with people I'm dating, I literally just don't have the emotional energy or the brain space to dedicate to two people at that tier of emotional commitment. I like having a primary partner that gets most of that attention and then like people that I very much care about but know not to expect that from me. Some people have the energy to do that. Some people have the energy to engage with people in that way constantly. Mm-hmm. But it takes it, a lot. It does. It and keep in mind it's kind of like going from one kid to two. It's not just oh, it's like one plus one equals two. Well, no, because your relationship with this person, that's one relationship. Your relationship with the other person, that's a second relationship. Their relationship with each other, that's a third one. Yeah. How they feel about you separately and together, it it increases exponentially. So if you are not confident in your ability to um, believe in your own value outside of what you get from your partners, if you are not confident in your ability to let go of the idea of ownership over your partner and their sexuality, if you are afraid of calling out difficult feelings and having difficult conversations and communication in general, polyamory is not for you at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's really hard. It's and hard. and. There's also just a, you know, I've, I've, in spaces where I've seen a lot of people go wrong in the poly space is, man, they're, they're airing a lot of their grievances of their relationship now with their new partner. And, and I consider that to be a pretty big boundary violation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because you're like, oh, I feel safe. I feel safe. And I want to talk with you about all the things that are going on with me. And then everybody sort of like starts becoming at odds with each other. Yeah. You know, um, there, there are definitely ways of like making it work. There's ways of making a lot of things work. And there are also ways of making it work when you're not 100% positive in all of your skills. You know, right. we have this thing called speaking in draft, which is, hey, we're all going to come into this assuming that we are all engaging in good faith, which means that absolutely we're allowed to make mistakes and we're going to give each other the benefit of the doubt that it was a genuine mistake and we're looking to correct it Mm. rather than i'm trying to get away with some hurtful bullshit and often the key to that if you are not confident like a hundred percent in all of these skills above all be confident in your ability to take accountability and apologize when you do hurt somebody because it's inevitable yeah you're going to hurt the feelings of the people around you you're going to make a mistake well, thank you all um, for joining us. Uh, I hope we've given you a lot to think about over the holidays. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the big thing of like why why we are here is to sort of like continue to 
expand people's knowledge about the space because relationships are not something that are like taught and that people even like really talk about in a lot of spaces. Um, and we want to know that there are tools available to you. There are people available to you. There are, and there are options available to you outside of what you might have previously thought a relationship can look like. There are so many different options and you can forge the relationship that fits you and fits your partner slash partner. And you can do it safely and, and consensually. consensually. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all again. Uh, we're going to be taking a break over the holiday. Uh, I'm disappearing into the snows of Colorado. Yeah, we're and I will the- not be coming back out for two weeks. Yeah, we're going to go. We're going to go recharge. Take some time to process some things. Um, enjoy spending time with your loved ones, whoever they are. Uh, and if not, enjoy spending some time with your damn self. Yeah, get it. Mm, mm. All right. <laughs> That's how we're ending it. That's it. Uh, we're adults. We're adults. <laughs> Happy holidays. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>